Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, before we start, I just got three things to let you guys know. Number one, we have a special episode for you guys coming today. We'll be reviewing the book Manafai by Muhammad Dahir Afrah. And we have the absolute honor and pleasure to be able to interview his daughter, which was also the editor, translating it from Somali to English. And this is an absolute classic in the Somali world. So for those of you guys that don't know, I'll just give you guys a little, little snippet of what the book's about. It's basically about Somalia back in like the 60s and 70s. You know, those like nice pictures that you kind of see on TikTok and like that, that whole aesthetic of like how Somalia used to be before the Civil War. Um, it's kind of like that. It's a nice homage to that time, like a, a snapshot of how Somalia was before the war. Um, because right now it's kind of like, especially with all the diaspora and our parents as well moving out, it's a lot of that time is kind of etched in memory. And this book here is like a sort of beautiful piece to kind of let people know, oh, this Somali existed and this is how things were, which was amazing to read. And I hope you guys also grab it so you guys can feel the same things that I was feeling. But if not, then this episode will do just as well. In number two, we are doing a giveaway um we've put all the instructions on our instagram which is inspire uk which you guys can check out in order to be able to participate in being able to win the 50 pounds voucher to buy any book that you want as many books as you can with 50 pounds which we'll be giving out we did this time before as well and not like our first ever season and to kind of like say thank you for being with us and listening we want to do that again so check out our instagram to to know how to take part and lastly, before we start the episode, I have noticed that the majority of people that are listening, I'll say maybe 50, I think it was like 55% of you guys aren't following us on the podcast platform that you are listening on. So if it's Apple, you can just hit that follow button. If it's Spotify, you can do the same thing. Or if it's YouTube, you can subscribe because all of that does help. You know, we're here trying to inspire. We're here trying to create stories and trying to build the community. And that all starts with you guys joining us on this journey. So if you guys could follow, that would mean the world to us. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I won't rumble on too much. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Nobody knows what you are. I was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize there is nothing bigger than myself. If you don't believe, nobody else is going to believe. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Paper Trolls podcast. I'm your host, Shimaki, and today we've got another wonderful guest with us. We have Mona. Mona is a writer, but not only that, um, she's also an editor of the book that we'll be discussing today. Manafai. Manafai. <laughs> um, that was a good pronunciation. And uh, she took over the unfinished project of getting the Somali classic uh, published in English when her father passed away. Uh, and she's here with us today so to kind of give a little background as well we'll kind of talk about you know yourself and how you kind of got into into reading as well um but first i kind of wanted to introduce the the book as well because for me when um i was kind of reading through the first pages i was like this isn't what i thought it was going to be you know the way firstly the way it was written um and on top of that, the topics that was written about as well. And I actually had to 
copy apart from the and like it's not the introduction but the parts before what the, yeah, what's the actual like, word for them well there are there's one that's an introduction yeah there's also a foreword before written yeah. by my dad yeah um yeah and, and just additional notes N- yeah i think it was the the not the full i think it was the introduction part oh, but and it and it basically summarized it beautifully um so basically it said that the Mogadishu of Muhammad Dahir Afrah, I said it right, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just in case. Um, uh, his novel, uh, Manafe, mm-hmm. did I mess it up? Is it Mana? Manafai. Manafai, oh wow. Um, and I'm Somali as well. <laughs> uh, the novel, uh, Manafai, uh, no longer, the Mogadishu that he describes no longer exists either physically um, as his buildings have been destroyed nor socially as so many Somalis have been forced into exile or killed. This makes Afra's novel written in Somalia in the late 1970s all more important. Woven into this story are the many tensions and inequalities that mark this moment in Somali history between the pillars of old-fashioned patriarchal authority and freedom-seeking youth, between the innocence of girls and the depravity of sexual predators, between rich and poor, between rural and urban ways, and between those who are complicit with corruption and those resisting it. And for me, I felt like that was a great setup as mm. to the book that I was going to get into because a lot of the stuff that I would hear back in there would just be a lot just about romance and this and that, but this was actually quite a political book as well. Mm. And the ideas that he was bringing up and the stuff that he was challenging in the time and the modicial that he was describing, it really felt, I was like, oh, whoa, did this even exist? Because obviously us kind of growing up away from Somalia, you just wouldn't, you obviously heard of the civil wars and stuff like that, but never really knew the life before the civil war, which is what obviously your father was putting into this book. Um, So before we touch onto the book, let's get to know you a bit more. Um, So what would you say was like your kind of, background or introductions into like reading and and the creative writing aspect of it um I'd say when I was a kid my mum and dad were quite they always encouraged us to read like you know we had books everywhere in the house my dad had um his own kind of little study room yeah like bookshelves in there um and I'd obviously always like have a look even though there were there were like really big books yeah. for adults. I was like five years old, yeah. just like looking at the pictures or whatever yeah. was there. Um, but then, yeah, we used to go to the library a lot. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I was really lucky. My mum used to encourage us like 20 minutes before bed, you know, do some reading in bed. Because yeah. when I was a kid kid, because I was born in the 90s, yeah. uh, we didn't really have like laptops and iPads and yeah, stuff like no, that. So <laughs> what we took to bed were <laughs> were books. Yeah. Um and I'm sure people still do now anyway, but it was less temptation I guess. Yeah. Um no TikTok scrolling. No, there was no like Facebook or yeah, Instagram that, yeah. or Snapchat or TikTok. So um yeah and then also my dad kind of I don't know if it was my dad that encouraged me to do it mm. or if it was me that that really loved it. I think it was more combination of the two. Yeah. 
So I like started writing when I was like five, yeah. six. Oh wow, that's early. You know? yeah, yeah, just not writing like as in paragraphs and longhand writing. It's like I remember the first one I wrote was about like a, a, a adventure in the uh, solar system. Yeah. Okay. And my dad, he still had it when he died on, on his laptop. Oh. I had no idea. I didn't even remember. It. I think I was about five yeah. or six. Oh, do you do you remember kind of what the premise was about? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> Basically, uh, I was um, kind of jumping from planet to planet. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this this planet. Is, I was looking for the perfect planet for me. Yeah. You know? oh, okay. <laughs> to be fair, that was like a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was just like a, a kid's a kind kid's of imagination right, yeah. is quite big. And yeah. I just found it fun. And my dad kind of felt like, oh, you know, this, this girl, obviously, this child yeah. really loves writing. Mm. So I think that kind of inspired me even more yeah. to, to read more and to write more as well. Yeah, no, of course, I can imagine. And um, was he also kind of writing around you guys? Or like, so obviously you said you saw the books and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like also it just might be a very Somali thing to kind of just be into storytelling. Because yeah. me, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I saw like so many books around me, but I would still be the one in my family just like telling kids before like the kids i mean my siblings <laughs> before we went to sleep like just stories um but i feel like maybe was your dad telling you guys stories as well when you you guys were younger um yeah or was it just kind of just like a natural thing you kind of lean towards writing and stuff yeah my dad wasn't really he was more one of those people that kind of he would tell you stories, but you'd have to ask him. Yeah. You know, you'd have to ask him for the stories. Yeah. And he'd tell me stories like, have you ever heard of Igal Shidad? Oh, it's know. like an old kind of traditional Somali yeah. um, story or series about like a guy who was really scared of everything. Yeah. Um, and I remember he, he said, uh, he told us a story all the time about like, he, he was like hiding from his wife, Igal yeah. Shidad. And, um, Oh, no, he wasn't hiding from his wife. He was hiding from like a debt collector or something. Okay, yeah. Or somebody was looking for him As and he do. was really scared. Yeah. <laughs> and and then uh, he goes, he says to his wife, hide me, hide me. And then um, he, the the wife says, okay, fine. And she rolls him up in a carpet. Yeah. And then, and then so she splashes water on her face and goes to the door when the guy who's like looking for him comes. And she's <laughs> like, oh, you know, she's like, where's the guy? Where is he? Yeah. And then he, she's like, oh, he died, he okay. died. You know, she's got that water on her face. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, okay, well, when did that happen? And then he, she's like, oh. And then he's in the, in the carpet and he's like, tell, her, tell him yesterday, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> and he was just, yeah, yeah. there's loads of stories just with that kind of yeah, that scaredy yeah. cat character in it yeah. for kids. Okay, tell yeah. us that. Ah, that's actually interesting. I mean, for me, like, I think, funny enough, even like also reading the parts that you put at the end of the book as well for your own notes and also reading through this, I kind of realised in my own kind of growing up, I guess, that apart from maybe the tale of like Arwela, that, mm. or Degder actually. Oh, yeah. Um, that there wasn't really many that I was actually exposed to. Mm. A lot of the... Um, a lot of the stuff that I was exposed to as a kid growing up were like pretty much like Disney or mm. like the Lord of the Rings. And then because the only other thing I would see in Somali would be like, you know, the v VHS tapes. And then 
just be like one stage, one mic, mm. and then there's like a band behind, and then there's like a whole play going on. Mm. But I can't understand it because I was just like, why is the scene not changing? You know, it's just uh. it changes with like the sound, and then someone else comes in, and I was like, this is the new scene, and I I just couldn't mm. comprehend it. Um, but I was going to going to say, um, how was it for you? And like growing up, were you exposed to a lot more the Somali culture? I think it was quite interesting because I didn't know that I was. Yeah. I I, f- I saw it more when I was actually editing the book. Yeah. When I was editing Malafai, I was like, every time you know, because he um, and the translator who yeah. translated it, Maggie Larson, she kept in a lot of the Somali words. Yeah. Of like traditional items you'd find in the home, yeah. And then I'd be like, "Oh, what's that?" <laughs> and yeah. then I googled it, <laughs> and I'd see it, and I'd be like, "Yeah, we had that yeah. in the corner of our house, yeah. you know." Or we had, yeah, we had a cabinet when they described like the way that the cabinet the had all the yeah. little glasses inside it, and yeah. the other kind of things that they'd have in there, um, and and the kind of cloth chair, all yeah. those little items. I was like, "Yeah, we were surrounded by that." That's true. Kids. Yeah, one thing I would say as well is like that I find amazing is that um, like Somali households feel very familiar mm. because everyone kind of has the same thing in the in the house like even that small thing you're saying that like clothing that you put on the on the chair yeah it's like in when I was growing up it was in everyone else's house mm. you know um, that even to the to the curtains to like the the Quran on the wall to like everything it just feels like you're in another Somali household, but just in a different setting. Mm. Like, and and I feel like, especially the older generation, I don't know how, I guess, our generation would be when we grow up, <laughs> when we have kids, I mean. But um, it's like, it felt very, like, grounded and very rooted in how it was back home. Mm. Um, despite them, like, despite our parents, I guess, like, leaving for, for so long. Um, and in the the beginning part as well it also said that but i don't know if i if if it is correct or how it was said that your father was also exiled Mm, or is that too much of a harsh word because that's how i read it yeah i think to be honest it was it was but i realized on wikipedia or that the people that like writing about him after he died the word exile got changed yeah, okay or maybe they did see it as a little bit of a harsh yeah. word and it got censored a bit yeah uh, to like he left yeah but really um because even though it seems on the surface like it's a love story yeah when you read it you're like no actually it's not it's yeah. it's more about kind of the corruption yeah the uh divide between the rich and the poor yeah. the way that kind of uh, when people do end up thinking about themselves instead of like the duty or to their country and and to the people living there yeah corruption and uh, and um, famine and poverty and war is the result of that and it's also really it's also criticism of arranged marriage Mm. as well and um the kind of troubles that can come from that yeah. and staying very rigid with tradition no mm. matter what the damage is yeah. you know so it kind of criticizes clan culture yeah but i think the thing that got got the uh, government quite um, like not happy <laughs> basically yeah. about what um, was written was the way that he describes basically the character you know um uh, dege he's basically <laughs> the representation of um 
the way that I guess of a of a government that is given funds yeah. to help the people, and then instead of helping oh, the people, they indulge in their yeah. own kind of needs yeah. or their own kind of financial gain. You yeah. know, every man for himself kind of thinking. Yeah. And then the suffering that can come, you know, uh, one of the other characters, Ahmed, yeah, who's the, Ahmed, one of the, the engineer, yeah, the engineer, yeah. Ahmed, the engineer, he's the representation of, and he, that's his son. And yeah. he's the representation of the opposite. He feels that if we, if, if people from the beginning had sacrificed, you know, people yeah. who were in power had sacrificed and, and hadn't taken money that yeah. was meant to boost the country um, up and instead put it more into public funds yeah. and, 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 and building a country, yeah. it would have, we wouldn't have been struggling so much. Yeah. You know, as uh, um, Ahmed says, you know, in the West, they're now reaping the rewards. Yeah. And this is in the 70s. He's talking yeah. about like when he went to Italy and other countries in uh, France and other countries yeah. in Europe, they're reaping the rewards, but we're not because, yeah. because, because there's a lot of corruption. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. even though we, we were given our freedom, yeah. Um. From uh, of independ, we were given independence. There was still a lot of cor still corruption. Yeah. You know, and and I think that that kind of criticism was not acceptable. Exactly. Yeah. No. Of course. And uh, funny enough, um, the character that you mentioned, uh, is it Dege? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> ch uh, Chamat Dege. Chamat Dege. Yeah. 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 Um, for me, it may sound crazy, but he was one of my favorite characters. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I mean, obviously, like I say, I, I highly suggest everyone grab this book. It's an amazing book, and you understand kind of why. Well, I explain why he kind of was, because for me, even in storytelling, like in stories, um, especially fiction ones, I kind of really like great characters, mm. um, because to not give too much away, I guess. But Jama, the guy, um, he's a He's a part of the government and all this kind of stuff. And he's got, quote unquote, kind of a good status in society. Mm. You know, his he was able to get his son abroad and all this kind of stuff. And that son's an engineer. He's part of the government. He's got a good wife, all of these kind of different things. But inside him, there is like so much corruption. Mm. Like there's so much like, like there was a scene that was... Um, so funny to me which was um uh it's not actually it's not, i don't it's not it's not a spoiler so no, that's no, what i'm worried okay. yeah. no you can so basically it. what it is is he um like i said again this book highlighted so many things that i didn't even know was going on in somalia at the time like um some of the officials going to like brothels and mm. like indulging in that kind of activity and i was like oh wow this is you know mm. um so anyways he's like <laughs> he wakes up one time from his siesta and he's he's looking at his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's looking at his wife and his friend is about to like call him in like an hour or something. Because they've it's his turn to host the, you know, God meet like mm. event bringing the yeah, girls and all this kind of stuff, mm. right? So he's looking at his wife, who's a good lady, and then um she's like knitting something and he's like like and and again it was the way that it's written as well it's like very like out there on the nose it's not like hiding it so he's like oh, look at her like with a shapeless body with like the skin like sort of like sagging from her mm. cheekbones um and 
she has no idea that I am with women, like mm. much younger than her, much prettier than her, like, and she assumes that I'm a good guy mm. and that I wouldn't do this to her. And not only that, she assumes my friend is in her best interests mm. that he cares about how she would feel mm. and then um and it was so weird because it was like at the beginning he starts off kind of almost criticizing her mm. in a way like well you kind of look like this now you've gone older <laughs> <laughs> whereas the young girls don't look like that and then as he kind of goes on he's kind of like okay no but what am i saying now Oh my, he's kind of like in this weird conflict mm. of, and then the Adan comes on and he's like, <laughs> yeah. do I, do I really go pray despite knowing what I'm going to do in the afternoon, mm. you know? And even his friend coming in and his friend, he's like, he's a very cheerful guy. He comes in and he greets my wife and she greets him back. And she's always like, oh, these late meetings you're going to is going to kill you. And like actually worried about me. But I'm getting up to no good. Mm. And that I can't like that blew me away because um even in like most like I'd say the stories that I've read, there's very few grey characters. It's like either it's a very good character that everyone now roots for, mm. or they're a very bad character that everyone is like rooting against, you know? It's yeah. so like Harry Potter, like Voldemort, it's like, okay, there's no redeeming qualities mm. about thingy. So I was like, okay, wow, this is a real character here who's got this conflict in him and I can't wait to, um, you know, read more about him. But I was going to say, how was it for you kind of like reading this? And I was wondering if you was just as surprised by kind of the topics as well that were addressed in this book. Mm. Because I felt like it wasn't that common. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I haven't read Somali literature, I'll be honest, but like even from society and what's taboo, what's mm. not to be talk, talk, spoken about, this feels like it'd be topics that people just wouldn't even touch. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, I wasn't really surprised at the fact that it was kind of these topics were coming into it. Yeah. But I was kind of surprised that at how open it was yeah. about it. But, you know, my dad, um, he, I, I could tell from reading it, he was literally writing what he had seen. Yeah. You know, in terms of he even puts in the street names, I yeah. mean, streets that don't even street, exist yeah. anymore, you know, uh, the cinema names, the caf- coffee shop names, yeah. the theatre names uh, of in, in Mogdusho. Yeah. And, um, and so he was writing what he sees, so it was more kind of informative to me. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite interesting because I think my, my, um, my knowledge of my dad, like he started Somali pen, you yeah. know, there was, there's an international pen kind of society okay, and yeah. Somalia didn't have like a mention, basically they didn't yeah. have a, they have, you know, Italian pen and, yeah. you know, British pen, all the other countries, lots yeah. of other countries, but there was no Somali pen mm. and, um, pen is a kind of industry that was, or a, um, I guess you could call it a union yeah. that was open in 1921 for um, people who, for writers to support them in being able to express themselves freely. Yeah. You know, so not having, being censored. Yeah. um, Because maybe somebody wouldn't like what was being written about. And I think that there were small clues to me like that. 
Okay. That before I read Marnify, yeah. that made me think maybe, and also the fact that he was exiled and the fact that, you know, this book was quite, like people would queue up. My yeah, uncles yeah, would tell yeah. me, people would queue they'd up. queue up and just try to, to go read, to another city yeah, to just read it. Because yeah. they'd, 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 they'd be printing out um, different pages and epi- they made it into episodes yeah. and people would like, and, and the buzz that it created, but I don't think it would have created such a buzz. Mm. Um, if it was just really kind of like a bit coy or a bit scared to, because it's things everyone probably knew was happening, it's clear, but no one's talking about it, you know? And it wasn't like, oh, just gossip for the sake of gossiping. It was Mm. really having an effect, corruption, on, you know, morale in Somalia after like they got their independence. So I think it didn't really, to answer your question, it didn't shock me, but it made me think, oh, okay, yeah, Go, Dad, because yeah, it's really yeah, important yeah, stuff course, yeah. that needs to be talked yeah. about. You know? Especially, like, people, like, showing the hypocrisies of people in those positions mm. that would... Or not even that, just, like, the sort of religious aspect of it, like, the religious hypocrisies of um, him, like, that, the the Jama guy, who would also have, like, a lot of criticisms for his son. Mm. But he's, like, just open outward with it when he's also like this Mm. you know um which i feel like a lot of people kind of are um especially men in those kind of positions but to kind of just go back to um the pen thing because that's quite interesting Mm. is it something that was set up in somalia or is it like an international thing but in somalia joint yeah so somalia wasn't a part of it Mm. so you know if you're part of this kind of community or this union then you are protected as a writer. As in so from what, like, like politically? From, like, politically corrected, so you can't be censored, yeah. you know. And How would they control that, though? So, for example, so how would they control yeah. people? Like, in Somalia, would they just go in there and be they like... They got arrested. My dad used to be um, in, like, a, with a group of yeah. people who were writers and things like that, and they ended up getting arrested yeah. in, the, in the 80s, I think, late Z early 80s i think okay. in ethiopia so um yeah they get arrested yeah. think about things that happen in like in communist countries yeah. you know when people are censored it's quite similar to that yeah and um yeah and it, i think it's really important i think we probably take it for granted mm. nowadays and in Western society, that you can write what you want. You can yeah. go on a podcast and talk about what you want to talk yeah. about. You don't have to worry about if, um, if this is going to offend the government. Is this going to get me into trouble? Yeah. You know, is this going to, I guess, in a way, there is people do argue about like the PC culture yeah. and things like that, but it's not the same thing. Mm. Um, because I think people are literally just talking about what was there. Yeah. Nowadays, like you can make a video or a podcast and put yeah. it out there. I think. In those days, it was a threat to your life. Yeah. You know, it was a threat to your your life and your nah, safety. Of Not and just again, like being cancelled. Yeah, you now nah, of course, and being cancelled there isn't just like you know, oh, this person's off social media mm. and now they won't get this brand deal. Like being cancelled was like serious. Mm. Um, yeah. So when it was kind of like this whole exile, when he j- he left the country, or was it kind of like it was too dangerous for him to kind of stay there? And then he was like, okay, I have to go now. Uh, he left, so he, he left. was like, oh, you know, I can't stay here anymore, um, and and so it wasn't just it wasn't a safe place for him yeah. to be, and um, and to be honest, I mentioned it in the in the afterword yeah. that 
there's a lot of questions I have, mm. you know, still, still yeah, for yeah, him yeah. because like when you ask a question like that, it's still a bit of a grey zone. Yeah. You know, I'm not 100% sure if he left out of his own accord mm. or if he was pushed out, yeah. you know, because he did return yeah. and, and settle for a while. Okay, how was it when he returned? Was it mm. less hostile? Yeah, it was much less. This is many, many, many years, years later, yeah. like many years, yeah. like 20 years or something. I mean, even like when you speak of like years and stuff like that, when you think of the the difference of even the like when you said the city names, the street names that he was speaking about no longer being there is like it's I, I forgot who mentioned it in the book as well. It was kind of like it's very important. It's almost like a safeguard of this is what once was mm. um, by mentioning, you know, like you said, even the cafes or the, the cinemas, because I guess the later generations would not know that this ever existed, you know? Because um, Mogadishu obviously used to be very big. I mean, bustling, like it was actually, um, even back in the day, like like you see some videos of it and the type of stuff that you see is like, it was like, wait, this was happening in Somalia. Like people had like, what are they called like the Italian Beatles? The mm. I just call it the Herbie. What was that film? Something that was that car that could yeah, talk. Yeah, Herbie or something. Herbie, like fully loaded, something like that. Yeah. So like those kind of cars, like driving around the place, like high end Italian cars. Um, and then you look at it now, the same like buildings that were there are just like demolished, and mm. it almost feels like there's nothing else back home, you know. Um, and it's it's interesting. I mean, even for me, like I think this has kind of had, I'd say, like kind of an impact on even the way I would want to write stories, mm. um, by not just. I think it's it has opened my mind up, um, <laughs> really, because it's like when you read a book again. I really like great characters, mm. but on top of that, is that book actually asking real questions? You know, is the story you're telling asking real questions? Even when you do like podcasts and stuff like this, it's kind of like, yeah, I want to leave the audience asking questions either about the topic or going back with something, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, like, when you, because you are also a writer, um, do you feel like that's what you'd need to do when you're writing as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to kind of have a big, message yeah. in a story i think the message of a story is really important even though when you look back at the stories at last you know folk tales or yeah. fairy tales you know it is important to either learn something or to yeah. understand what is this writer trying to tell me yeah you know even exactly. if it is a fiction a lot of time it's fiction yeah. what is behind it and i kind of try and because that's what kind of like stays with you, you yeah, know? yeah yeah and i make sure i know that before i start yeah you know writing it because otherwise yeah it's what stays with you yeah. even with films like when you leave the cinema yeah. when you put the book down what did yeah. i learn from this you know what's he yeah. trying or she trying to tell me yeah. or whoever sounds like is. very childish but um for me uh, <laughs> i don't even know if i should actually admit this but i feel like for me when i've seen a good movie mm. is like when <laughs> I leave the cinema and I feel like the main character. Mm, so yeah. like the Batman ones were like really like peak cinema for me. I'll just walk out feeling like I was, you know, Batman or Bruce Wayne because in that hour and a half or whatever it was, it was so like consuming that you almost, 
take form of the character mm. and i feel like even with like good art it's like good art is really also transformative mm. it can change the way you feel about something it can change your mood it can change something about itself you know um where i feel like people that don't necessarily kind of get into art or the creative space is kind of like because they haven't been moved by something mm. where they just see a story as okay like harry potter is just a child book or like lord of the rings is like okay one of those like weird ones where like it's got dragons and little people like what does <laughs> this mean to anyone you know mm, but then yeah. when you're actually when you get transformed by it and when you're moved or captivated captivated by it, you kind of like start to appreciate things a lot more um so like for me that's when i'm like okay this is good bit of storytelling obviously i don't think there's many characters i will take from here mm. um from the book yeah uh but it's like it's still enough to like ask me questions and i kind of had a follow-up question for you on the first one which was have you consciously or self-consciously kind of taken on sort of styles similar to like how your father would write or like have you taken inspiration from his works into your work really good question actually Thank because it's something yeah. i was thinking about today um when i was uh, i do try you know yeah no it's <laughs> a really really good question because i thought i didn't yeah i really thought i didn't you know when i was editing the book when i was you know reading through it and and, and things making sure it was ready yeah I thought, yeah, the, you know, I, I loved the, I loved reading it a lot, yeah. and but I didn't think there was any kind of. I thought we had a completely different style of writing, mm. but then I realised, oh, because now I'm further along in my book, yeah. like I'm coming to, I've written what much more of it than I had when I was editing yeah. it. I thought, oh, subconsciously, I have taken on a few, like for example, you're talking about having a grey character. I remember talking to my friend about one of the characters in my book and I was like, this this person needs to be grey. Yeah. Because I don't want them to be I don't want him to just be a baddie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I need some empathy, you yeah. know, there. And and I was when I was reading through a uh, given um Cham at Dege another mention yeah. <laughs> when uh, when I was when I was looking through <laughs> yeah and I was thinking there were certain parts where I felt a little bit like bad for him yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. I think that it's all feeling like you know we've all kind of had webs of lies yeah. maybe they're not as big or yeah. whatever they could different sides but we've all kind of tried to appear at some point in our yeah. life something and then been rumbled yeah. you know and I think it's or or worried about being rumbled yeah. you know and so I think that i definitely took on making sure that because even mana Fai, she's not like an angel yeah you know and there are, i don't think that that's a normal thing as well to have yeah. a good character who's completely Just, unrelatable yeah. sometimes they're quite boring yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's important to have layers i think we all yeah. have layers and in order to connect and leave the cinema thinking i am that character yeah. <laughs> you have to see something about that person in that you you, can relate you to, know yeah, exactly, and yeah. i don't think a a completely great person who's like innocent and yeah. never done anything wrong or yeah. does the right thing all the time is a relatable character yeah, it's not, you know? you know, sometimes you need to see the, the sick twisted side you know? yeah, That's what yeah. It is. just to like kind of know okay they have these thoughts you know mm. sometimes they might not even act on it but it's kind of like you know like one of the great characters that i really liked was i don't know if you've seen game films but it was a guy called jamie lannister um where he's kind of like bad in the beginning and he's got some really like redeemable traits and then 
you kind of realize, oh, okay, so he's doing these, like his motives are for these reasons, which some of them are quite noble. And then sometimes he might just do something completely weird. You know, like, okay, cool. He's still a bit, you know, 50-50. But like for me, it was like, okay, cool. This is someone that's quite interesting. You know, this is in some ways, like I said, yeah, like you said as well, the great characters are kind of more relatable because everyone isn't perfect, yeah. you know? And they, and you're kind of like, okay, cool. Now do they have a redeeming arc or do they not have a redeeming arc, mm. you know? So that's interesting that you said that, that you've used that kind of great character in in your writing as well. Is there anything else, like in terms of like, I don't know, um, the way you construct scenes or would you say that's all you? I think another thing is probably kind of get into to the character's head, yeah. you know, because I like that, yeah. that part of it. And I didn't, yeah, again, I didn't, it was another subconscious thing yeah. where I really liked in Monify when you kind of knew a lot of what the characters were thinking, yeah. you know, that kind of inner turmoil going on in your head, yeah, yeah. what should I do? Um, and I think I definitely use that yeah. now in my writing. And also probably writing in a way that's not restricted, mm. You know, not kind of like thinking, oh, what if my mum reads this? Or yeah. oh, what if, you know, what is this person going to think yeah. or that person going to think? Yeah. Obviously not just doing it for the sake of it, yeah. but if it serves a purpose, a purpose in the book, yeah. just keep it in, yeah. you know, make it authentic. And I think that if my dad could do that in such a time where, you know, thinking about it, maybe in certain societies it's quite like free yeah. uh, but really in Somalia traditionally I'm talking about people like my dad was born in like the 1940s mm. so this generation are really kind of probably the first generation yeah. to start testing things and boundaries you know probably hearing music and things from the Stuff west like that, coming yeah. in but it was still very difficult to, no, to yeah, mention these kind of things so yeah. if he could do it then then, Even yeah. sometimes I felt a bit uneasy. I was like, wait, mm. is this allowed to be... <laughs> yeah! Is this allowed to be spoken about? Mm. And then, then I'm like, not only did he write about it, this was, like you said, people reading this off of newspapers like mm. every week as the new chapters were you know, coming out. And I was like, yo, this is... This is wild. Scandalous. Scandalous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to know, like, oh, what's happened? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's also something to talk about as yeah. well, especially if it's, like, have you ever watched a series or something? Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, like, they really pushed it. They pushed it, They yeah. really pushed it. Did you see that? Like, um, Squad Games. Did you remember Squid that? Squid Games. I think it's Squid Games. Squid Games. I actually didn't see it. Yeah, or Tiger King. You know those ones yeah. that are, like, they just get weird or yeah. really something you've never seen before. Yeah. You, you didn't think you know, was w people were going to put on TV. Yeah. Or, yeah, it just gives you something to talk about yeah. as well. And you're like, oh, I want to know what happens gives next. like a proper, like, talking point to, to kind of have. Um, I was going to say as well, in the, in the book, was there any parts in it that you felt like was your favourite? That you really enjoyed? Yeah, there's a few parts. I think um, I really liked, Ahmed's kind of conversations with his dad mm. um, because I really liked the, the I enjoyed the kind of conversation of two people born in different times yeah. with different views obviously they love each other but they're they're trying to it's something that I felt would be a timeless conversation yeah. between a parent and a child yeah. someone from an older generation the younger generation no matter when you're born there's always that generational divide. Yeah. 
where like the new way of thinking and the old way the of older, thinking yeah. clash. And I thought that just coming from, even though it's a completely different place, um, completely different time and place, yeah. it's still kind of still prevalent. Still prevalent. Yeah. And and also um Baden, you know the character Baden who's the um brothel madam. Oh <laughs> the courtesan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really I really liked when she kind of had that opportunity to tell her story. Yeah. You know, I think that it was one of those stories that probably one of the unheard voices yeah. that were quietened down and, mm. and not not allowed to be told. Yeah. Um, and I, re I really enjoyed kind of hearing about what brought her to where she was at. Yeah. You know, just, just yeah, really, really interesting. You know, yeah. everyone's got a story to tell. As well, yeah. Everyone's got a story to yeah. tell and, and it's really important that it's heard. Yeah, and especially like how they end up in certain places, you know. Because mm. I feel like, you know, the well, the more I've grown up, I've kind of realized the more that sometimes you might not have to agree with someone, mm. but like just trying to understand how they've got to where they are mm. um, is all just this part of the the story and the interest and the curiosity of why they do certain actions, mm. you know. Um, but I was going to say as well with the even with the intentions and all these kind of things like the is it Milan Kundera? Am I butchering the she wrote like some of the introduction? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I can't lie, she the way she uh she said it as well, um, especially about the different characters and even like I forgot, I don't even know how to say her name again, the Brothel manager. Yeah, uh, Baden. <laughs> yeah, like even like with her and like with the Dege and you know Jama and all like these kind of guys and the way that they were thinking, I think she summarized it in such a beautiful way. And mm. she was like, um, Afrah examines uh, Manafe and other characters' existence in the midst of change initiated by um, a socialist government existence. Uh, I'm butchering this. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Basically, uh, she says that it's not what has occurred, rather it is the realm of human possibilities and everything that a human can become and everything that they are capable of. Um, that she was kind of saying as well. And when you kind of look at certain characters, you can kind of like see that this is what they could potentially become because the thoughts and the ideas are there. Um, and it kind of comes back from this technique of like, and I guess also restrictions that you were saying in writing of, because I was trying to publish as well and write. And so you look, you I was listening to so many different editors and so many different things. And there would be like, a rule is no head hopping or too much head hopping. So speaking from this person's perspective and then this person's point of view. And so... In my head, it was very like restricted. I was like, okay, you can only kind of talk about the main protagonist's thoughts, mm. or if you're going to talk about different people's thoughts, you have to completely separate it and put it in different chapters. Mm. But here, obviously, your dad was using head hopping, um, but it served the story so well. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of, I was kind of like, but if it can be kind of done like this, then, you know. Why is there so many restrictions on mm. how you can tell a story? I think that's a really another good question because um, 
I think there shouldn't be, you know, mm. restrictions. I think the more, I think res- restriction is the antithesis or it's, it's the enemy of uh, creativity. Yeah. Because, you know, I was actually talking to another young Somali writer. She's writing her first novel. Yeah. And we were sat together writing and she was kind of feeling a little bit worried about her book. And, yeah. uh, and, and um, she said to me, you know, I said to her, she said, do you ever get stuck or you think, oh, I'm going to do it. I said, the most freeing thing I ever heard or was told about writing, yeah. especially like the first novel is allow it to be rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Allow it to be, you know, this is your first book. Yeah. I don't think that like, if you used to think of a singer, their yeah. first song when they were 16 or, you know, yeah. this is something that you craft. And I said, and, and even anyway, just, just be free with it, you know, yeah. as long as it gets done, because yeah. otherwise it's that perfectionism, that, yeah, oh, is it this? But done. that person told me not to do this. And yeah. um, I remember she said to me, yeah, because I've been really stuck and really stressed about the planning and stuff because about it because I did a course and the and the teacher said to me that your first novel is going to be your introduction. Yeah, you know what direction? Exactly, yeah. What direction are you in? This is going to represent you. Yeah. This is going to be your, like the thing that's like this is me. This is how yeah. I write. And I was like, no, that's too much pressure. Too much, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's too much pressure. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, that means that it's never going to get finished. You yeah. know, if, if it, that, that's where like you I get thought. like one chance to do it, and it's yes. your first book that you have to do it in, yeah. which is wild. And you'd be writing it and thinking and questioning every sentence, yeah. you know, and criticizing it, and and then and then what if it gets rejected? Does yeah. that mean they rejected me? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because this it's is personal. Your, your work, yeah. So I think it's allowing yourself to make mistakes with writing, allowing yourself to do things people maybe say you shouldn't do, Yeah. you know, because otherwise it's just too restricting yeah. and it kind of, it's like the creativity light goes really, really low yeah. and, and then it becomes a chore. Of course, and you can only work in certain parameters and yeah. you can only do so much, you know? exactly so i think that kind of if something maybe hasn't worked for someone doesn't mean it won't work for somebody else you know Uh, it's it's just about writing the way that it comes i think to you you know and and not worrying too much about worrying more about that message that you're trying to give or that story you're trying to tell rather than whether you're doing the correct techniques Techniques (laughs) or ticking the bullet points you know no one's marking your work i mean we've we've finished school now so (laughs) you know i think it's it's good to just kind of let let that flow and don't worry too much about that's really really good advice i I mean i think for many years i've just been i guess not paralyzed but like stuck on not doing it because Mm. of um stuff like techniques or how does it sound is it you know just so many Mm. things inside your head that i think that just stops you from actually having to continue on you know finishing the work Mm. um and to kind of go to that creativity aspect of it of um one thing that i've kind of realized is that even the arts or like the creative world is like this this weird kind of thing of things start especially things that last uh, or start a new wave always kind of start off like a bit strange mm. and everyone's like, mm. but then it kind of gets to a point where everyone kind of understands what this is. And then it moves on to like people doing it. And then now this is the new kind of like way of doing it. Mm. And um, one thing that I saw was like other artists would not look at their specific genre or like thing of styles of like where they like for example van gogh is a good example of this 
he didn't follow that traditional kind of European Western um, style of like painting that everyone else was doing at the time. He kind of went more for a Japanese kind of style. And then he kind of merged it with what he knew. And then it created this somewhat like new thing that people hadn't seen before. And then obviously he didn't get his flowers in his time, but now people know Van Gogh and like, are like, oh, he transcended art and he made something different. So I've kind of like realized that, that to kind of write something that, or something new, you'd have to kind of venture away from the typical books that you'd be reading, which a lot for me is, I guess, English books. And I'm guessing similar for you. So then when I read your dad's book, I was like, oh, oh these are new styles. This is a new technique. I can use some of this to like bring over here, which at first people might not understand, but then later on, it could be something that people understand, you know? Um, and again, like I said, I have to give credit to, to that on that one because it's that's sometimes what you need, you know. You need to be able to find new inspirations by looking elsewhere. Um, but obviously, you said as well that you was writing and writing with other people as well. How close would you say you are to finishing? I would say I'm thinking December. December this yeah, year. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So I've. And now I've said it out loud, so yeah. It's so now we be, have to keep you. <laughs> so to I it. know you're going to be in, yeah, in touch. Yeah, and, yeah it's um, definitely it's, it's my first like proper finished novel. I've done short stories yeah. and things like that, but are we able to get like exclusive like premise mm. or like synopsis or something? I can give like a little bit of a one sentence summary. Okay, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. So it's about a woman and she's living an isolated life yeah. um, in her late thirties, and she one day a man from her past mm. turns up yeah um and she has to make a decision whether she's gonna stop history from repeating itself yeah save someone else um but in doing so exposing her past mm. and, and 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 putting herself at risk damn Okay, well, I've got so many follow-up questions to that, but <laughs> I feel like that will just spoil the whole thing. No, I can't lie. That sounds like a very interesting... Uh, what is the part I'm joking? <laughs> just say your whole Read book. Read the first yeah. chapter. Just the whole <laughs> chapter, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, now that you've kind of come close to finishing the book, how does it, like, how does it feel? Like that, do you still kind of have, like, doubts or you kind of, like, just said, no, nah, you know what? This is it. It's going out in December. I don't care about all the doubts or nothing like that. Yeah, I think um, for me, I, I felt like a lot of it is about not. I was a bit like, oh, you know, in the beginning, it's got to be like this. It's yeah. got to be like that. It's not going in the direction I want it to go in. But then I started to realize actually, it was going in. It, it was kind of as long as you sit down yeah. and write yeah. it comes you know yeah, and, and yeah, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing i think yeah. it's not the thinking about doing it or the you know in which sometimes i did spend a lot of time just thinking or yeah. you know worrying about what's going to be but now i've gotten more into the flow of just letting it be what it's going to be yeah. i know that sounds so cliche yeah, but, so but that's how you have to do it but let it be what it's going to yeah. be don't put so much pressure like yeah. it has to be perfect or everyone has to love yeah. it you know, you, you don't know. Like yeah. you were talking about Van Gogh. Yeah, you, you know, know it took yeah. a, you know, people didn't really. Feel I'm not comparing myself. I talked to no, Van Gogh. No, no, that sounded but so. Like but you know, like what thing, I mean yeah. is, is yeah, you don't don't worry too much about what other people are going to think yeah. about it or that. You know, 
try and remove the pride as well. I think yeah. pride is another enemy of creativity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What other people Because once you put it out there, it's out there. Exactly. And, you know, you're not going to, you know, it's not going to, um, as long as it's authentic and, yeah. and, and says what you wanted to say. Yeah, absolutely. Everything else is, you know, everyone's going to always have criticisms yeah. and people are going to see things that maybe they really love that you didn't even see, you know. Yeah. You never know how people are going to take it. But once it's out there, it's, it's out, out of your there, hands. Yeah. Let it. I feel like that's more comforting. Yeah. The fact that like, okay, this is it now. You know, I've done what I need to do and I'm happy with it. So now it just kind of comes to like, okay, how are other people going to, you know. Yeah. I think I, he I heard it from someone. I, don't, I forgot who it was. He was talking about when he put something out, which was like taking your kid to school. Mm. So you drop them off at school. And then if people come back and say, oh, your kid's really great, then it's like, okay, great. But if so, your kid's a bit, then it's like, oh, okay. But you, it's not like a, obviously there's a personal attachment, but it isn't like a part of you where your soul's being crushed mm. that it's been having a bad take or a good take, you know? Mm. Um but I also want to say as well on on your your father's book because uh, you obviously had a a part in editing it. Mm -hmm. um, how did that like opportunity kind of come about? Yeah, so basically, my dad was um, planning on having it published by Somali Week Festival. Yeah, um, and that was I think one of the reasons he came came to London. Yeah, um, and so because. He got he got sick all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, he kind of came back to um, the UK, was staying in Birmingham for like that kind of ten days they used yeah. to have during COVID. You have to isolate, and I think it was like the third or fourth day yeah. um, of isolation, and and he had a, a stroke. Yeah, it was like a major stroke. So it wasn't something where you can think oh you know so all these things were already in in the like for example the um the book needed to be edited mm. like needed to be edited but it had already been translated yeah. but it needed those final kind of edits making yeah. sure that that everything was okay all together made and sense. the publishers i think they waited like a respectable amount of time and they said you know is is um the publishers in london they contacted me yeah and they said you know, we're sorry to hear about your father and you know we send in our condolences and and then they kind of had the contract yeah. you know of, of everything and they said well, we're not sure what to do mm. you know would you be able to um uh, and then i spoke to my my sister and my brother about it because there's three of us yeah. we had three children and you know I've, I've i did english literature and creative writing at university yeah. i you know i run a creative writing group on a yeah. friday um so but i still felt like it was a big project to take yeah. on but for me because i had a lot of people all these people that um you see mentioned in the book with yeah. the in the acknowledgements like thank you to i had all their contact yeah. and because it was such a big thing that happened and he was so loved yeah. i had all their support yeah, and course. so i said i said to the publishers and I, and I remember like many years my dad like monifies his baby yeah. you know it was like one of the first kind of books that were published in yeah. Somalia, like as a novel, um, it was like it was his WhatsApp, you know, picture. Yeah, you know, yeah. people usually have their kids and yeah, stuff, but like, yeah, nah, modify the book. <laughs> book there. So um, I knew it really was important to him, yeah. and I felt it was such a shame, yeah. you know, just to let it all kind of slip away when all that hard work had gone into it, and it just needed someone to sit and go through it line by line. Yeah. 
you know and um so i just took that project i said to them yeah i'm gonna do it like as an ex of kin um and so i just sat in a coffee shop for about i made it like my full-time job about 30 to one to two months of just like nine to five at the cafe going through it all you know and um with a lot of a lot of help there's a professor um professor ali he's mentioned he he does a section in the um in the introduction um and he he was helping me as well and um so i got it published and that i felt like it connected us so much i felt so connected with him this thing that he'd written when he was probably about my age you know maybe a bit older um and it was like i knew him as a young person as well you know the way he thought like that's the other thing that's really important to put yourself in the book and that message that you're trying to share it's also going to tell people something about you as a writer so it meant that even though you know he was doing a lot of work in Somali and Djibouti yeah. and we weren't, we didn't have a lot of time together. Yeah. It made me feel really, really close Connect, to him. Yeah, like I wasn't only writing, I wasn't yeah. only editing that book. I was actually sitting with him. Yeah. You know, so it was actually an honor to be able to do no, it. I can imagine. That's what I'm saying. Like going through the lines that like, not only is it loved by many people, but it's also your dad as well. His thoughts that, like you said, you were kind of going through. Yeah. And I think even towards the end, you kind of wrote, so many nice i mean it was like quite touching to be fair as well it was like um where you would meet in the cafe and you know kind of back when you was like unable to drink coffee as you said mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so you'd have hot chocolate and you're just like asking him questions and this and that and then kind of afterwards he would like well, as you got older you'd be like oh yeah so bring a pen and i would like you to write my kind of like life story and this and that and the fact that, like you said, that gave me the, I guess, the acceptance or the honouring to be able to write his, the story that he wrote as well, mm-hmm. um, was was quite touching because you then said that after he passed, there were so many questions you still had mm-hmm. that you never had the chance to actually ask him on, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is, 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 is quite sad in a way um, because obviously like you said, even the exile thing that you might have wanted to know more about. Um, but in many ways, it's like this legacy that you did mm. tr- help him out with is, I guess, like the biggest thanks to him mm. um, for all of the stuff that I guess you wasn't able to ask or wasn't able to say. Um, and I kind of wanted to round it off with, I think, a beautiful passage that you wrote okay <laughs> pretty on the spot here. Yeah. <laughs> um which was um well you said i promise you that i'll make you proud i'll write every day like you always told me to don't worry about manafe manafi. Manafi, yeah. don't worry about manaf manafi um I'll, I will take uh care of all of that for you i'll take on all these responsibilities and i promise you just rest now, Baba. Mm-hmm. And as someone that has read it, I can say that you've actually fulfilled that promise because you've done a great job in uh, in being able to convey everything that he was trying to say in a whole different language, mm-hmm. which we both know in Somali, there are so many words that you cannot just mm-hmm. easily translate one for one, you know? Sometimes you actually have to deep it and be like, okay, no, this actually means this, but it also means two other things. So mm-hmm. it's like... 
you know and i just want to say you've done terrific job on 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 doing that and and then obviously cementing his his legacy mm, thank uh, you man no 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 it's all right it's, it's it's my pleasure and um i feel like i feel like as well because it's like it's a interesting one in kind of but first actually just a side note what does manafai mean because i'll kill myself if i never asked oh it's in the beginning um first chapter it kind of um talks about it uh, it says the meaning like when i named her manafai i'm trying to remember um it's two names put together and i can find it out for yeah. you and let you know but i think it's some uh Oh, I don't want to guess it, but it's two beautiful things put together. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly the meaning. Yeah. But it's um one of those names that are like, you know when somebody's given two names yeah. and it makes them extra special. Extra, yeah. It's one of those names like, you know, for example, my name Muna means like a wish or a desire. Yeah. And so another name might mean um you know, a a dream come true or yeah. a wish or a desire and then fulfilled. Mm. And then you okay, put them together, put them together yeah. and I was, yeah, I was reading it um, over again. And mm. it's, if you do pick up the book, I'll yeah. say to anyone who's <laughs> listening, it does talk about the meaning in chapter one. Yeah. Um, it's explained. Yeah, no, 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 of course. And obviously it was kind of named after. Yeah, well, in he, a way. Um, my uncles and my dad's like fighter friends and um, would say, where's Mana? Like, how's Mana? Yeah. Mana Fai? Yeah. And I guess because my name is Muna, it's quite close it's quite to close, Mana yeah. as well. Yeah. Wow. And um, if uh, you were to say one thing about the book to kind of wrap it up, what would you say? I would say if you want to have a taste of a place and time that, thanks to I think my father and his, his, his book, um, that fascinating does not exist anymore um but will live on forever in this book if you want to know more about somalia not just the way it's seen in the news or you know what's happened in recent history but somalia as it was then i would say read the book yeah. because it's, it's got a lot a lot to you can get lost in in, in the words yeah, and, and and completely see you know what life was like in 1970s yeah. Somalia for all the madness and that happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so I'd say, and also the message in it is, is yeah. really moving as well. No, no, of course, I really appreciate that. And usually, I would say to check you out, but you have no socials. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to be starting probably. A, I'm going to need to start an Instagram. Yeah, you got, think, you got a book coming. Told, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to kind of, um, yeah, to to get get things out there yeah. it should be good to no definitely to end that um social media yeah. <laughs> and, um, blackout <laughs> to finally be a normal person yeah um but now <laughs> obviously thank you for for coming on and um inshallah when that book does come out we'd love to have you again on to to discuss about now your works and yeah. your point of views and stuff like that so again thank you very much Muna, for coming on no, thank i really you. appreciate it. i really enjoyed this episode as well me too and uh yeah like i said we'll definitely love to have you back on again Thank you for inviting me. That's all right, anytime. And we'll see you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to the Paper Trails podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review, comment, like, and subscribe. And be sure to follow us on all our socials.
Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. See you at work.